Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. To Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And John, I've seen some crazy things happen in the world in the last couple of years. Things I never would have believed were real if I wasn't witnessing them with my own eyes. Things that defy all logic. But over the past two weeks, it went to the next level. Over the past two weeks, we achieved peak absurdity. Over the past two weeks, The New York Mets have won 13 of 14 and are just a half game out of a playoff spot. Please, John, help me make sense of this. Uh, Eric, it is the 50th anniversary of the Miracle Mets. Um, Hmm. Well, I got to tell you, the closer parallel really is the 1973 Mets. Uh, They're in last place in late August. They win in division. They knock off the big red machine in the playoffs. They take the Oakland A's to seven games, you know, while the A's were winning their second of three straight World Series championships. That was... uh, particularly incredible. Uh, I, rem- I remember both of those runs, and I'm enjoying this one as well. Uh, of course, the Mets have been beating up on Little Sisters of the Poor for weeks, so now the schedule turns very nasty. Um, you know, there's a cool challenge uh, in those Tough mutter obstacle course events. You've probably competed in a bunch of those, I imagine. <laughs> I, ha- I have not, but I know what they are. Yeah, yeah I, I do too. I have, I have not either, but two of my nieces did, actually. And, um, you know, one this one challenge, you got to get a huge burst of speed going to run straight up a wall and have just enough momentum to get to the top, uh, the flat top. Uh, some make it, some wind up with the slide down of shame. Yeah, So uh, we'll find <laughs> out what the Mets are made of, but I think with their starting pitching, I'm saying there's a chance. Okay. Um, as I think I mentioned to you off air, uh, I made a real life preseason bet on the Mets to win under 85 and a half games. I, I got even money on the bet, which felt like a good bet at the time, felt like a great bet pretty much all season long until the last two weeks. Now, they still need to go 27 and 20 the rest of the way for me to lose. Uh, so, you know, it won't be easy, but I liked it a lot better two weeks ago when they needed to go 40 and 21 the rest of the way for me to lose. <laughs> ah, well. Sports betting, what what fun would it be if it were easy, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> All right, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 52 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 51 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud and on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. But there's really no excuse for missing an episode. Just subscribe and they'll download automatically every week. Simple as that. 
All right. Yeah. Coming up a little later on the show, Eric, uh, we'll be joined by Penn National's head of interactive, John Kaplowitz. Uh, get his perspective on that massive deal that Eric and I discussed on last week's podcast, which Penn National partnered with DraftKings, PointBet, the Stars Group and the Score giving those brands market access in several new states. Um, we're looking forward to John's insights on that game-changing deal. Uh, first, it's been yet another busy news week in the world of gambling, so let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Let's start this week in Connecticut, one of those states that we've had our eye on from the start, but that has been slow to act in legalizing sports betting and online gaming. In the past week, Connecticut finally introduced draft legislation to authorize online gambling, including casino, sports betting, poker, and the lottery. The bill hasn't been formally introduced yet, so we're not talking about anything imminent. There's talk that it won't be officially filed until early 2020. Uh, among the details of the draft bill are an 8% tax rate on sports betting and a 10% tax rate on other online gaming, uh, no licensing fees, and no betting on high school sports, which is a uh-huh. pretty, it's a pretty <laughs> universal rule. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. um, there are only two casinos in Connecticut, Mohegan Sun and Foxwoods, both Indian casinos. And as someone who went to college in New England and turned 21 in New England, I know them well. Uh, MGM has long wanted to build a casino in the state, but uh, the draft bill apparently would not give MGM access to the online market. According to the Hartford Current, Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont doesn't support the plan to add online gaming, at least not yet. So, John, as sports betting and online gaming continue to spread quickly up the East Coast, do you have any sense of whether Connecticut is likely to get in on the fun in 2020? Well, Eric, I, I can't forget, I staggered through listening to a public hearing the state had earlier this year. Uh, it took about 11 hours. And oh, right. Former Mets manager Bobby Valentine, a legend in Connecticut sports, uh, was the second to last witness. Uh, it was... Uh, a long and, and uh, strange day. Um, you know, you mentioned Indy casinos and the MGM push. You know, each side has influence in the state uh, significantly. Um, not everyone's going to be happy uh, with whatever they try to figure out. So I just think it's going to take a ton of work to, to get that figured out and how to split this baby. So I'm not bullish. And, uh, you know, when in doubt, uh, bet the inertia. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's always a, a safe way to go. I'm curious, what, was Bobby V wearing a disguise when he t- came up to testify? No, no, he did that famously after getting kicked out of a Mets game. But uh, no, he was as himself, but uh, he was representing some casino company. And then he had to come back because he he said something that they didn't really want him to say. And it was uh, it was it was it was just a a one extra strange twist in a very strange hearing. Right. So, I mean, we've seen over the past year how legalizing sports betting happens much faster than legalizing general online gaming. Um, so uh, focusing just on the sports betting side with the states around Connecticut closing closing in, uh, you know, New York now has it, at least uh, land-based in a few remote spots. New Jersey has it. Rhode Island has it. It's been legalized but hasn't started yet in New Hampshire. Maine is close, etc. I'd be kind of surprised if sports betting at least didn't get legalized in Connecticut in, in 2020. Uh, and I would guess that mobile betting will be part of the package. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go with your uh, predicting inertia when it comes to uh, all the other stuff, online casino, poker, et cetera. That, that stuff probably takes a, a little longer. Uh, you know, I, I don't have my nose too deep in the politics of the tribal casinos versus non-tribal interests. Um, so I, I'm not sure quite how complicated that all is, but uh, I suppose uh, that, that could make this a, a longer process than I anticipate. <laughs> 
Yeah, the indie casinos are definitely going to want to not only get sports betting, like you say, and that seems more manageable or retail side, but they're going to want a guarantee with it that no one else will ever be able to offer it, either retail or online. And that's going to be the challenge. So would they settle for half a loaf and just say, well, look, all we know is we have two casinos, you guys get sports betting, and we'll deal with the rest later? I don't know if they'd be satisfied with that. So um, that might be a tough decision for them to make. Okay. Interesting state to watch uh, going forward, certainly. Uh, Our second story, uh, we've spoken before about how uh, since the Supreme Court's PASPA ruling, in some local markets, TV networks have presented alternative broadcasts of games that are betting focused. Uh, While the Washington Redskins preseason games are taking it to another level by not just talking about betting, but allowing viewers to win money by making... Well, not wagers, I guess, but predictions, at least. Uh, as reported on Tuesday by ESPN.com's David Payne Purdom, ESPN Sports Washington Plus will show what it's calling a predict-the-game broadcast for tonight's Redskins-Browns game and for the remaining three Washington preseason games as well. Uh, throughout the game, prediction questions will appear on the screen. Uh, viewers can enter the contest and then enter their answers. And the most correct answers each quarter wins a thousand dollars. And there's no entry fee, of course. Um, on the surface, this seems like fairly harmless fun. And uh, as you always say, John, as long as there's a non-betting broadcast option also for viewers, then uh, there's something for everybody. Uh, it's one thing to talk about betting on the broadcast, of course. It's another thing to encourage your audience to make real-time wagers. Uh, John, do you see this experiment continuing into the regular season, or does this strike you as something the network will only try during the preseason when the games don't matter? Uh, this kind of reminds me, a few years back, the NFL even dipped its toe into casino advertising on preseason games. Uh, but the regular season, I mean, the only sign the NFL considers preseason games anything more than really glorified scrimmages are those regular season ticket prices they charge for them. Otherwise, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, not so much. So, you know, the NFL, of course, has been the most resistant league to gambling overall. And I'm not convinced that uh, any of that changes until Roger Goodell's uh, replacement gets sworn in. Uh, yeah. wait, would he get sworn in at uh, the league? The league does take itself very seriously. I can I can kind of picture that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that works. Do you have to put your hand on a a book of some uh, some value to you in order to become the commissioner? I don't know. NFL um, media guide, maybe. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, you know, one thing to think about here is the matter of whether online sports betting is legal and available in the states where this broadcast will be seen. Uh, in Maryland and Virginia, we're, we're nowhere close, really. And in D.C., it's getting close, but it's not up and running yet. Um, but so, you know, for the great majority of this market, you can't just roll interest in this predict the game broadcast you know, right over into people making deposits and making in-game bets. Um, so to me, you know, this certainly feels like a case of let's gauge the interest. You know, they're, they're dipping a toe in the water during the preseason. I assume it will stop during the regular season unless maybe the team is out of contention late in the year and they try it again. Um, but uh, which would go against your, uh, your 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 bet on them to win the division at long odds. But uh, to me, the, <laughs> this is this is just a little test run. Uh, I'll be interested to see if NBC Sports in Philly tries anything like this because they did during the Sixers season. They did a couple broadcasts, uh, but you know now during Eagles season. The mobile sports books are up and running, which they weren't yet during Sixer season. Um, so they could really have you watching and betting all game long. Um, and I'm not saying that's a good thing because uh, it, it certainly feeds into the addictive side of sports gambling. But I would kind of guess NBC Sports Philly is going to try something like this during this NFL season. 
Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit weird. I mean, the, the preseason games are such a local product, TV product. And mm-hmm. then, of course, the regular season is, you know, national in sense of the red zone and, and all the other kinds of packages. So um, no matter what you do, you're not really only broadcasting into your market. There are people with access to it around the country. So that right. complicates things, too. So I, I don't see any of this happening in the regular season. Like I said, not not under Roger Goodell's watch, at least. OK. Uh, all right. I get to plug my own articles for our final story this week. Uh, I wrote two separate pieces related to East Coast versions of the famous Las Vegas Super Contest, the season long NFL picks competition that costs fifteen hundred dollars to enter and last year generated a prize pool in excess of four million dollars. In my home state of Pennsylvania, there's good news. Uh, sister properties, Sugar House and Rivers, have introduced the $500,000 Pennsylvania Pick'em, which costs $150 to enter, uh, or $125 if you enter before August 15th, and awards $125,000 for first place with a total guaranteed prize pool of, as the name indicates, $500,000. Um, unlike the Super Contest, entrants are picking games straight up, not against the spread. And they're picking the full Sunday-Monday slate, not just their choice of five games. Uh, Unfortunately, in your home state of New Jersey, there is no season-long NFL picks contest, at least not yet. I tried my best to investigate why, and though there were rumors of the DGE blocking it, the DGE denied that, and DraftKings denied that as well. Uh, It does seem perhaps that the sportsbooks are being discouraged, if not flat out denied, while the DGE sorts out tax implications and how to police out-of-state entrants using in-state proxies. Um, But that's just speculation from some inside sources I talked to. All we know for sure is that with about a month to go before the season kicks off, there's no contest in Jersey, uh, not even from Sugar House, which operates mobile sports books in both states. John, any hunches on your part as to what's going on in New Jersey? And how jealous of me and the rest of the Pennsylvania peeps are you? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, yeah, the, this would be no more than a hunch, to be clear, but I, I do have one. Um, you know, the DGE makes quite clear that even if approvals are granted for anything, any screw ups are on the operator and there would be sanctions. That famous Raiders Broncos game in the opening week or two mm. last fall being an example where you know the European operators are used to saying, oh, well, it's an obvious mistake, so we don't have to pay out. And uh, New Jersey uh, regulators say, listen, you, you blow it, you're you own it. Um, so it's possible that DGE isn't just saying no. And DraftKings understands they're not just saying no, but they also get that they need all issues like you suggest to be figured out beforehand. Uh, seems like a rare case where operators may need to operate in other states before launching in New Jersey instead of the other way around. But um, as for being jealous, anyone who recalls my epic collapse in the second half of last year picking <laughs> NFL games, uh, that's a misery that was inflicted on a weekly basis to our loyal podcast listeners, by the way. Um, and my recent poor golf picks knows I effectively make 125 to $150 just by staying out of Pennsylvania and not <laughs> entering this contest <laughs> there you go uh well for the record i am entered already into huh? the pennsylvania pick'em i got my 25 dollar discount uh mm. and uh not that 125 dollars is too rich for my blood but i'm splitting it three ways i went in with two other guys and we'll make our picks together every week uh, you know first of all i'd rather lose 41 dollars and 67 cents than 125 dollars <laughs> uh but more to the point it's fun to do it as a team and submit your picks and, and go with like the majority choice and strategize together. Plus, if I'm traveling outside Pennsylvania on a given Sunday, it's good to triple my chances of having someone in state to submit picks. Um, 
We will be at a bit of a disadvantage because there will be people multi-entering. You can have up to 25 entries and we're just doing one. But, you know, it's fun. You can win $2,500 each week if you have the best score. Uh, and then you're competing season long as well. I'm, I'm looking forward to it and seeing how the strategy shakes down and figuring out when and how often to go contrarian and pick upsets. And um, I'll keep the listeners informed throughout the season about how we're doing, uh, if, if you think the listeners would be interested in such things. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. You know, back in the day, I was part of a uh, seven-man cartel, we called it, <laughs> which was a little bit uh, presumptuous. But, uh, yeah, so we'd all get together and do the picks. And uh, what's funny, and this may happen even with just your three, um, if somebody's on quite a losing streak, you know, kind of a cooler, then you take, you know, I picked this team, I picked this team, and then the third guy uh, – picks the opposite but he's terrible at it so that's the same really so you wind up you end up flipping his pick which doesn't make that guy happy but um you know it's uh it's the way it goes right <laughs> um well to to get to something that you alluded to it's certainly a little surprising on the surface that pennsylvania is allowing this and new jersey isn't um and and you know i i guess maybe I shouldn't say New Jersey isn't allowing it based on the evidence we have, but there, there's something to that effect happening because Sugar House is in both states uh, and they're offering it in one and not the other. So there, there's certainly some forces in New Jersey um, strongly hinting at them not to do it, uh, not to bother applying, wait till next season, whatever. Um, but, you know, as, as you basically said, it goes against what we've seen of Pennsylvania being cautious and conservative and New Jersey taking chances and, and being inventive. Um, the most interesting thing I heard from one of my sources, and this goes along with, um, with, with what you, what you suggested there is that the DGE might be gun shy after what happened with the controversy at the DraftKings live sports betting national championship in January, that they just aren't prepared to take on the risk of a, another controversy or, or some sort of scandal with this. Yeah, if I was if I was Pennsylvania, I'd be a little bit nervous that New Jersey isn't going for it. I mean, usually right. every state gets to sort of follow New Jersey, right? So especially, you know, Nevada is, a, is its own, you know, uh, unique entity for 70 years. New Jersey is the one that just got started on a lot of this stuff, including online poker six years ago and all that. And then they've been the, the market leader. So you kind of just follow in their wave. And Pennsylvania mostly has done just that. And now here they are out front and New Jersey's not you know, not there, I'd, I'd be a little nervous if I was Pennsylvania. I'm not sure why they should be nervous, but I would still be nervous. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if any of the other sports books do it. You've also got Parks and FanDuel and more coming, so it'll be interesting if this season it's just the one of these contests or uh, if, if there are any other brave sports books willing to uh, take whatever risks uh, come with this. And uh, we should note Sugar House is not even raking the contest. All of the money that goes into it goes into the prize pool, so they're not doing it for direct profits. Uh, they're doing it to uh, attract customers and uh, profit from them in, in other ways, I suppose. Um, but uh, one one last thing to just note, uh, I'll just share a scoop that was in my article since I was just talking about the sports betting national championship that DraftKings had. Uh, DraftKings told me there will be another one of those this year. And instead of doing it on an NFL playoff weekend in January, like they did last time, it'll be in December this year during the NFL regular season. Yeah, that's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, they overall, I think that was like a net win. I mean, they had a couple of kinks, but they overall was pretty good. And I think it'll be uh, smoother uh, this year, too. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview.
Last week, Penn National Gaming shook up the legalized gambling world with the announcement that the company had entered into agreements with DraftKings, PointsBet, the Stars Group, and the Score, providing market access to those brands in several states in exchange for money, equity stakes, and revenue shares. How did Penn National pull off this power play, and what does it mean for Penn, these various brands, and the whole industry? Joining us now to provide some answers is John Kaplowitz, the head of Penn Interactive Ventures, a man who will play a prominent role in overseeing this whole expanded portfolio. John, welcome to Gamble On. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you too. We appreciate you taking the time to do this. And I'd like to start with whatever behind the scenes you can share about how the deals went down. It's, it's not easy to secure partnerships with four major brands and keep it quiet until you're suddenly able to announce them all at once. Uh, so how, how long were these various negotiations ongoing and, and how challenging was it to keep any information from leaking before Penn National was ready to make the announcement? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that my first day at Penn National was February 12th. I remember that because it was my, my anniversary. Mm. I, uh, that day we were talking about skin deals and, you know, probably a little bit before my time here, obviously Penn National, who is one of the largest regional casino operators or the largest regional casino operator in America, um, we are really strong in market access. So figuring out how to maximize the value for our uh, non-primary skins was something that was always on everybody's mind. Uh, when I started uh, six months ago now, uh, you know, I think that's when, conversations really began in earnest and the approach that we took we said look you know does it make sense to you know package all these skins up for one company uh, do we look at multiple companies and ultimately what we decided to do was uh, create a portfolio uh, of really forward-thinking best-in-class uh, partners that would enable us to garner a, a, a large share the value in the states that we operate through our non-primary skins. And, and that's what we did. And it, and it took six months. You know, we uh, essentially picked the four fantastic companies that we announced last week. And each one of them, uh, we picked for a reason. Each one of them have a unique point of differentiation in the market that we think will allow them to compete, get a large part of the, uh, the market. And the way that our deals work, as you mentioned, it's a mix of upfront cash, uh, some equity in, in some of the companies, as well as risk-free revenue sharing. So essentially the way the deal is comprised, if they win, we win. Right. And just in, in terms of the fact that I didn't hear any sort of whisper of any of this until it was uh, official, was that a challenge to keep it quiet until it was time to announce it? Yeah, I, I don't know how that happened. You know, obviously <laughs> it's a small world in, in the online uh, gaming and online sports world. So you know, look, it, it sort of underscores we have great partners. You know, everybody was motivated to do a, a mutually beneficial deal. And I think, um, you know, that's what we, we wound up with. And we're really excited about working with these four partners and, uh, and the future. Yeah, John, I'm particularly interested in, in DraftKings. Uh, you know, we talked for months on this podcast about how um, really last year, New Jersey regulars were amazed at how uh, adept FanDuel and DraftKings both were as daily fantasy sports operators uh, getting getting it in terms of the uh, uh, sports betting in New Jersey and obviously you know FanDuel got uh, the, the Metal on Sports Book and uh, but both of them have have been 
big in New Jersey. And then you had FanDuel in Pennsylvania and where's DraftKings. And uh, that was a real sense of intrigue for us, and I'm sure. Uh, so uh, how do they fit in particularly into this uh, situation? Yeah, so DraftKings, uh, that deal is an extension of a deal we, we did a couple months ago where we already uh, had DraftKings in one of our skins in West Virginia. But look, DraftKings, obviously, the audience that you have, everybody knows who they are. You know, they are a pioneer in daily fantasy sports. Um, and, you know, the reason why DraftKings is such a, a unique company is because uh, it's really three reasons. One is uh, they know how to create mobile and online products that resonate with, with consumers. I mean, they've been doing it now for, for six or seven years. They have a database of daily fantasy sports players that have a high propensity to bet. So as we're seeing in New Jersey, um, they're converting, uh, you know, a lot of these folks in their daily fantasy sports world to betting. And you know, they've garnered a, a large majority of the share of the market. And we think that's going to continue. And then finally, they have, they have a great team. And, and obviously team is, is important in, in all of our partnerships. So our expectation is that their uh, large garner of the market share in other states will continue in the states that we have a deal with them. All right. So the, the media is largely focused on sports betting, um, but online casino is the biggest potential revenue generator uh, in Pennsylvania, where Hollywood Casino was the first online casino to launch a few weeks back. Yeah. The game options remain very limited at this time. Do you have a sense of when a complete roster of games will be up and running in Pennsylvania? And, and is online casino a bigger point of focus in your job than sports betting or is sports betting in fact the priority? Yeah. You know, to answer your first question, you know, I think that uh, the, the portfolio of games, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that uh, go into when those games come online. I mean, there's, you have to go through a lot of testing and, and compliance with, uh, you know, various testing boards and certification boards. So uh, we're going to, have a much larger roster of games in the, in the Q3 and Q4 uh, at the end of the year. Uh, in terms of focus for iCasino, it's a huge focus for us, right? So we are a land-based casino. We have a lot of, you know, we have deep relationships with uh, slot machine operators who create the content in our casino, and we can leverage those relationships to have best-in-class content on our iCasino platform. Uh, we have a database of five and a half million active uh, loyalty program customers who go into our casino who convert really well uh, online. We're seeing that with our social casino products right now. So I think we have a lot of foundational advantages in the iCasino space. And, uh, you know, we are utilizing Pennsylvania now as a way to test those advantages. The challenge with Pennsylvania today is it's tough to make money. Uh, there is a 54% tax rate on top line revenue. I mean, imagine a business where somebody's taking 54 cents out of every dollar you generate in revenue. So um, we're going to use Pennsylvania as a test bed to learn. We're going to see what marketing tactics work for us. We're going to see you know, how well our land-based casino uh, patrons convert to online. Uh, and we're going to take that playbook, if you will, and then we're going to leverage it in states like West Virginia, where we have, you know, a, 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 a charter casino uh, called called uh, Charlestown, you know, which has a lot of market share in West Virginia. Um, but it's a much more flexible economic state uh, for iCasino. And, uh, you know, we think we can actually make money there. 
Okay, so a- as a Pennsylvanian myself playing the games, I'm essentially just a guinea pig to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's, it's again, our hope is that these uh, pretty egregious tax rates um, in in all business. I mean, if, if there is a lot of taxes on that business, I think it it uh, sort of disincentivizes companies from spending a lot of money in marketing. And look, I, I think there. My hope is that we collaboratively work with folks in Pennsylvania to, to essentially say we would be willing, companies would probably be willing to spend more money in marketing and generating more revenue um, if we were able to have more of an economically viable uh, path to do that. So, you know, we, we're, we're going to try to make money. We're not doing this for our health. But <laughs> so again, you know, we, we do see Pennsylvania as a learning test bed and the hope is uh, we can take that playbook in, in other areas. Mm. Yeah, John, I got to ask you, I got a couple of diehards that are always asking about Freehold Raceway. Uh, I don't know if that's in your bailiwick, but um, does this deal have anything to do with whether they ever uh, offer sports betting at their site and even offer a, a mobile uh, uh, option as well? Uh, so no, the announcement we made last week doesn't have to do with the Freehold Raceway. We do uh, have a, a joint venture uh, that we own 50% of Freehold. Yeah. So you know, obviously New Jersey is is the one of the biggest markets for uh, sports and the biggest for iCasino. So you know, we're constantly evaluating um, what our strategy is for that state. So more to come there, but um, uh, you know, we, New Jersey was not contemplated uh, in the deals that we announced last week. Okay. I want to follow up uh, points bet and the score, both are uh, kind of unique uh, uh, operators as well. So what, what do each one of those to bring to the table for you guys and how did they get in the deal? start with points bet Australian company um, just went public you know this is a company that entered America with really no brand um, no database to speak of and no real tie or affiliation with a retail casino yet they've been able to break through and we think that the reason they've been able to break through is because they have a great product with their points betting system. It's a, it's a unique point of differentiation. They have a unique approach to marketing. You know, they have their karma committee, which essentially pays out bad beats if you're the better. And they have a great team. And you know, again, we, we look to the future. Uh, we think co- companies that have a great product and, and, and a great approach to marketing are going to win. And that's why we selected points bet and, uh, we took a small economic stake in their company. And then you have the score. Uh, the score, you know, I've been using the score mobile app for quite a while. I love it. Um, you know, I, I go on, I check scores, I talk in specific chat rooms about specific games. And in those chat rooms, you have every everybody talking about bets, right? So th- this is a company that not only has a sports media platform that people go and check scores and, and check news, but uh, folks that have a high propensity to bet. And I think, you know, when you put a sports media company, especially that's mobile and you integrate that with a sports book, you're going to see some really positive things. And, and the sports book is a trailblazer in, in this world. They're going to be the first real integrated sports media company in sports book. And I think that they're going to see a lot of success when they launch in New Jersey. All right. So much to look forward to there. Congratulations again, John, to, to you and the entire Penn National team on this, this mega deal announced last week. And uh, best of luck with everything. And thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, John. Appreciate the time. Two men. Two men. $10,000.
Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On Bankroll. We went one and two collectively last week, although one of those was a long shot bet that you don't really expect to win very often. That was John's Paul Casey bet at 16 to one to win the Wyndham. He was in the hunt entering Sunday, but it didn't happen for us. So we lost $50 there and my two bets broke exactly even. We won $100 on the Falcons Broncos Hall of Fame game going under 34 and a half points. Uh, The final score was 14 to 10, Uh, but we lost $100 on my straight up bet for the Cubs to beat the Cardinals last Thursday. The final score there was eight nothing Cardinals. Ouch. Uh, So in total, we lost $50. So we're $83 losers overall after a full year of betting with our bankroll, tread and water. Uh, And we have a whopping $2,015 tied up in futures bets. So that leaves us with $7,902 available to bet this week. And you're up first, John. Yeah, I mean, I guess an $83 charge for 12 months of entertainment is um, six, seven bucks a month. Yeah, that's probably manageable, I think. So um, overall, you know, I was hoping Casey would win. Uh, he was only two shots back uh, against mostly lesser or less experienced rivals until the 10th hole on Sunday. Um, uh, but I was hoping really that he would win just so I could still stress how stupid it is to make one golf bet and make it a win only. <laughs> you know, it's like walking <laughs> past a roulette table and putting $50 down a number 15, you know. Right. I mean, it's just absurd. I mean, if you're going to play for a while or you're going to make multiple bets or what have you that's one thing but just to do it that way um i was kicking myself uh, about 30 seconds after the broadcast so and, <laughs> and he didn't win so um right. yeah moving on i'll make a saner play then this afternoon on jason days 100 to win 175 just for a top 20 and give me 20 to win 150 that he's also in the top five um he's got fabled caddy steve williams on the bag um, he had Scott Adam Scott's win on this very course six years ago, um, but I like Day's form of late and his odds a little bit better than Scott. So uh, give me the caddy over the player. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, preseason NFL betting uh, is really not a great idea. It's uh, something pretty much only people with a gambling problem do. But hey, we we won on my bet last week, so I'm going to try it again. No, I, I think I think the experts, uh, you know, from what they say. If you're a true professional, you, you make more money on the preseason. But uh, yeah, but casually, it's not pretty. Yeah, but right. you're going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I am. And yeah, I am definitely not a true professional. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm on a I'm on a one game winning streak. So I got to push it. So uh, tonight in Arizona, the Cardinals are two point favorites over the Chargers. And this seems like a clear case of one team having a little preseason motivation and the other team having none. Uh, the Chargers, they're a veteran team. Philip Rivers won't play. Melvin Gordon is still holding out. This game means nothing to the organization. The Cardinals, on the other hand, new coach, rookie quarterback, and Kyler Murray will play. Uh, We don't know how much, but sounds like maybe two or three drives. Uh, As an Eagles fan, I remember several years ago, the first preseason game with Sam Bradford, they marched down the field and the Chip Kelly offense looked unstoppable. And of course, it was completely meaningless. But I see this young Cardinals team having that same desire to come out and light it up in a meaningless game. Uh, And I like the spread. It's, It's under three. So at minus two, Let's bet 110 to win 100 on the Cardinals. Uh, it's amazing. I'm also betting the Cardinals, but the St. Louis Cardinals. Ah. Um, <laughs> baseball. Um, I'm going to future the Cardinals 50 to win 128 of all numbers, um, you know, to win the National League Central. Um, you know, that Cub bullpen is a mess, uh, and Joe Madden just keeps overmanaging the hell out of them. So, you know, the Cardinals have lost five in a row, but they were hot before that, and for once I'm buying low. So give me 50 to win 128 on Cardinals to win the NL Central. 
Yeah, that sounds like a, a pretty decent price considering that they're right in there. I, I haven't looked at the standings right at this moment. What are they, like a game back right now, something like yeah, that? Not, not far. They're close. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am going to stick with the NFL again for my second bet, but I'm going to do a futures bet here. I'm trying a, a long shot bet on someone to lead the league in rushing yards. Not nearly as much of a long shot as last year's horribly failed bet on Royce Freeman at 80 to 1, uh, <laughs> but at 20 to 1. I really like the Cleveland Browns' Nick Chubb here. Uh, the favorites are Zeke Elliott at plus 300, currently holding out, uh, Saquon Barkley at plus 400, who very well might lead the league in total yards, but I don't know about rushing, uh, and the Giants might not be playing with the lead much. Um, then it jumps right up from there to plus 1,500 or higher long shots. Chris Carson, Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, Le'Veon Bell, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, and at plus 2,000, Nick Chubb. He's not really an all-purpose back. He's mostly in there to run, uh, just 20 receptions last season on 29 targets. He averaged 5.2 yards per carry last season. He's clearly the featured back, although Kareem Hunt joins the team midseason, and that does give me some pause. But hey, if the Browns are what people think they are, a good team with a top offense, certainly a team where defenses have to worry about the pass and can't just key in on the run, and if they're playing with the lead a lot, I love Chubb at 20 to 1. Let's bet 25 bucks to win 500. And that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, John Kaplowitz. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan. And follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling. And subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And with that, John, please take us out. Uh, Eric, on Saturday, it's time for my annual Foolish Central Park softball game. <laughs> I lucked into a rainout last year, but it appears I have no shot at that this time. So, you know, I don't know, severe osteoarthritis, recurring water on the knee, left wrist tendonitis. Uh, what could go wrong? I mean, you know, um, I can even remember the Mets winning the World Series in 1969. That's probably a red flag also. Um, but, you know, for anyone thinking, what does that have to do with gambling? I mean, this is this is the ultimate gamble, isn't it? You know, I mean... I'm pegging myself around minus 200 to get on base way more than I should. This lefty can still hit a bit, uh, or at least I could as of two years ago. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, but you can get plus 400 on me catching a fly ball in the outfield because uh, <laughs> I'm begging I'm begging the DH for the duration of this uh, brutal afternoon. Uh, and with that, until next time, wish me luck and gamble on. <laughs>